Hi, everybody. Welcome to the witching hour, that hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. This week's magic is going to be home magic. Yes, indeed, in the spirit of home. I've got a beautiful author for you today, Leslie Morrison. But before I bring you Leslie, where's Patty? Where's Patty? Because if I don't look, I don't know. Well, I'm home for a few days anyway. Tuesday, I will be teaching at University Magicus, my school. And this Tuesday evening, I am teaching a class on beauty magic. Yes, spells, concoctions, thought patterns, how to bring out your beauty, inner and outer beauty. So check that out, universitymagicus.com. And then Friday, Friday, I'm hitting the plane for Virginia City. Yes, indeed, the PEX Paracon. It's a great one. We are going to crazily haunted Virginia City, all sorts of great paranormal teams. I'm going to be doing a seance and gallery. I'm going to be doing private readings, which I rarely, rarely do at these events. It's kind of an intimate, fun, great one. So it's on all my websites. It's on all my social media. It's PEX, Paranormal Experience, Paracon with Jamie Lee and all sorts of amazing people. And I will be there this Friday through Sunday. So join me if you're anywhere way up in that uh, Virginia City near Reno, Nevada kind of area. Um, And then next week, I'm going to Massachusetts for a very witchy symposium, Catonia, with my friend Sal Santoro and the Crooked Path. We have Jeff Cullen and beautiful occult and very witchy, very Hecate-led leaders. We are doing magic, ritual. I'm doing a seance. We are trumbling through beautiful graveyards, learning how to do respectful, magical powerful graveyard magic. So check that out, Symposium Catonia. That's on the Crooked Paths website. Um, And I link everything on all my pages. So I would love to see you in Virginia City, in Orange, Massachusetts, at this old 1800s mansion um, by my friend Cindy. It's, It's haunted and magical for a great weekend. And since it is the season, I want to remind you my very first brand new witches movie coven yes we are now launched wednesday this wednesday which is movie coven you can get it on my facebook page patty negri psychic medium and you can get it on the witching hour page on facebook and on my youtube page myself heather green expert in all things movie the author of the book on it and my friend jason mankey witch and author, also an expert. We are going to discuss movies about witches from the very beginning to the very end. And it's going to be live every Wednesday. Well, almost every Wednesday where you guys can get to tell us what movies you like. You get to chime in on what we are doing. So I am so excited about this. We could talk for days and days and days and we're doing it through the Halloween season and who knows from there. So join us for the Witches Movie Coven Wednesday evenings. Six o'clock Pacific, nine o'clock Eastern, YouTube, Facebook, be there, join us, put in your two cents, grab the popcorn. Hi, everybody. Guess what time it is? 
Oh, that was almost a yawn. Yes, indeed. It is time for the Willow Report. I literally just pulled. Oh, there's the obligatory yawn. You're getting famous for that, Willow. I get people mentioned to me all over the country when I'm out. Yellow, Willow and her yawn. Or we can call you Yellow and her wand. Uh -huh. I just literally pulled her out of a play date with her daddy in the backyard. So she's not so sleepy like usual right now. But today's Willow Report, and Grace is sleeping right now, is about Willow is getting her psychic senses. Yes, indeed. Willow, now that she's over a year, now that she's becoming a grown-up girl, besides the fact that she really is noticing when, like, oh, mama doesn't feel so good, or mama's sad about something, something going on, her that empathy, that connection that dogs really do have, and cats, is really kicking in. But more equally importantly, is she starting to see spirits? My ghost, who lives in my house, my house ghost Adrian the other day, came in for a visit. Who was the first one to see her? It was Willow. That's right. For the very first time, all of a sudden, I, I sense this little thing. I look up, and there is Willow staring up into the left corner where Adrian was appearing to herself just before Adrian played the drum all by herself from 12 feet up in the ceiling. So... I am so happy. Now is the time that she might start choosing to come to rituals with me, choosing to be part of seances and knowing things. I knew it was in her. I knew she was just young because you guys know animals do see the other side. Dogs, cats, all sorts of animals. It just hasn't got taught out of them like it's gotten taught out of us. So even though that now she has a little bitty sister kitty, Willow's the big sister, and she could see spirits with us. So pay attention when your cat or your dog or your whatever you have is staring into the corner at nothing. It's probably not nothing at all. That's the Willow Report. My little psychic medium dachshund. How cool is that? <laughs> Say goodbye, Willow. Oh, oh, another yawn. Say goodbye. She's like, what? What? Okay, that's it. See you next week. Okay, this week's magic lesson is all about dumb suppers. Dumb supper, you say? It's a dinner for the dead or a silent dinner. Dumb isn't silent, dumb, not isn't stupid. And it's something that um, is my favorite ritual to do when someone passes. We know passing is hard, whether it's somebody, it's your 98-year-old grandma or somebody who you don't think is ready to die or they don't know it, it's tough on the living even harder than the dead but a dumb supper is where you celebrate them it's a backwards dinner you have to do it 40 days after someone dies or any time after it could be 40 years 40 days is the transition period though um it's actually a, it's actually a planetary move it's it's even used biblically. Lent is 40 days. You know, Jesus, 40 days. Moses, 40 days. Noah, 40 days. Dumb supper, 40 days. It's from here to there. So have a dinner for your beloved. You could bring all your beloveds and all your living friends. You'd be casual or dressy, but you have to have it backwards. Start with dessert, then have your main course, and then have your appetizer or super salad course. That shows the other side. It's for them because the other side is reversed. It's mirror image. So that way, oh, that's grandma's or my friend's or my whatever's dinner. Maybe set a place for them. Maybe set a glass. Talk about them. You could say, I miss you. I love you. Talk about the good times. Almost like they're there. 
because they will be, somewhere during the dinner, everybody goes silent for just a few minutes. And the de deceased person or people will communicate with each of you to your own comfort level or ability. You might just feel warm and cozy. You might hear something. You might sense something. You might know everything's okay. Just a couple of minutes. And then you guys can start talking again. And then the most important part is at the end of the dinner, which is the beginning of the dinner, you say goodbye to their fleshly bodies. Because that's the one thing we can't have back. Our spirit lives. Our soul lives. This little meat suit doesn't. So we try to hold on to that. And that's harder for them and harder for us. We have to cut those cords, those cords we always talk about. And instead of heart-to-heart -heart living cords, cut that. And now hook it to your third eye. So it's your spirit, deceased friend, not your deceased friend. It's spirit, grandma, not just dead grandma. It's spirit kid you knew in school, not just dead you knew in school. And now if you so choose, you could have an even better relationship with them because it's a relationship you really can have. Pagans, a lot of witches do it on Samhain or Halloween because that really is about celebrating the ancestors. So it's a perfect time in general just to celebrate your beloved dead, Halloween Eve. Otherwise do it for your loved ones and it helps the mourning process, it helps them cross and it's the most beautiful, healing, wonderful dinner you'll ever do. That's a dumb supper. Let me introduce you to Leslie A. Morrison. She's an author, freelance writer, and kitchen designer on Vancouver Island, Canada. She's been working with interiors for nearly two decades. Her passion for design has merged with her love of nature, producing an approach to both spiritual and practical with her www.lesliemorrison.com and she has this beautiful new book out called In the Spirit of Home and you guys know how much I'm all about home and magic within the home so I cannot wait to get to know her so welcome thank you so much Leslie for doing the show thank you for having me I'm very excited to meet you and be here and and see how how much wonderful things we can talk about <laughs> yes yes um my thing and and my 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 listeners know that I'm all about home and but you're a real designer you know this stuff and you bring in all the magical and nature into it um so have, have they kind of always gone hand in hand where did you have this magical way of being and then you were interior designer did one lead to the other how did they get all combined um, in terms of that aspect, I mean, I started sort of the, the magical side of things when I was very young. Uh, my mom gave me my first tarot cards and runes, I think when I was, you know, 10 or, or, or even younger. So I always kind of had that mindset of looking at things from that spiritual nature based side of things. Um, and then gradually that did kind of work its way into my, my create creative endeavors and ultimately um, the way I approached home design or, or kitchen design or whatever um, uh, I was, I was working on at the time. So I, I think that that was, that, that was a foundation um, for leading up to how I've pretty much done everything in my life um, was, was that experience with, uh, with, with the pagan side of things very early on for sure. Beautiful. Um, again, just going through your book, I, you even talk about the right kind of home for yourself with the right fit of houses from condos to cabins to all sorts of things. You incorporate things like feng shui and other mod modalities within that energy work of types. What do you think um, 
And again, and then you even have exercises. So I want to go through some of this stuff. You have the art of feng shui, um, letting go of things, which is, that's hard for some of us, uh, creating your sp physical space. Um, what are some of the things that you see that people get wrong in their houses? Let's start there before we get what's right. Yes. When somebody goes in, my life is a mess. And then do you walk yeah. in their house and see why? Yeah, well, and usually um, a lot of people and where I like to emphasize in this book in particular was um, a lot of people don't stop to really look at or, or pay attention to how a space is feeling. Um, and, and a lot of us, I mean, especially in interior design, it is such a visual um, industry and, you know, we're caught up with images we see on, you know, Pinterest or magazines and people really go after certain aspects of designing, but a lot of times I'll find that people will redo a room without actually um, thinking about how, if that's, you know, kind of synced up with how they're feeling and how they're living. Um, and then what happens is that people end up with spaces that they don't use, but, you know, it looks pretty, but they may not even ever use it. So I see a lot of people focusing a lot on um, more how it looks instead of how it feels, making it personal. Um, and, and a lot of people not really going through that exercise of space clearing ahead of time, which is why I kind of start the book that way. Um, I think getting rid of old uh, energy patterns is crucial before doing any kind of um, uh, restructuring or redesigning or redecorating work is, is getting rid of stuff that's old. And a lot of people will just throw the junk in the basement and go buy new stuff. But that's to me, that defeats the whole purpose of creating that positive space that flows and nourishes and that's where I really see people um, skipping that step and and I think that nobody should go any further without going through that first set of space clearing uh, exercises that I've that I've got in the book for sure. So what are some of the things in 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 small detail and not in large detail some of the things that people can do because I know personally I get I can get overwhelmed by something I could look yeah. You know, some rooms are perfect and they're great. And I could another room going, I wouldn't even know where to start yes. <laughs> energetically, literally, physically, yeah. spiritually along yeah. the way. So do you have suggestions for ways to even get started with that within your exercise? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and I think what, what you said there is a lot of times we just get it to that point where we don't want to deal with it. And then we start to get all these psychological hurdles that come along with it. But um, I always suggest, you know, start slow. And if you need to bring in someone to help you, I mean, really assess what first you can be comfortable giving away or donating or throwing out. So um, one room at a time, what is it you're not using? Like, why is this still in a box? Why am I still, you know, why do I have clothes that don't fit me or clothes that I haven't worn in five years? And um, it's more like an honest assessment of looking at what's there, you know, bring it out, put it all over the floor and look at it and, and say, I don't need this. This is broken and get those boxes. You know, you see it on all the shows, you know, separating the keep, the donate and the, you know, um, boxes, but it really is true. And ha and doing that is such um, an uplifting experience. And it, it, it brings your energy that much higher because you're, you're, you're acknowledging that things are there and maybe things have memories attached to them that you maybe need to deal with that too. Um, why do I still have this? What, what is it that's stopping me from letting that go? So the purpose of these exercises is to really get you aware, um, get you to become aware of what's going on in your space, why you're ho holding on to things. Um, but those are really easy ways to, I mean, I say easy, but <laughs> they're not always easy, but getting started with that and breaking it down into what you can can donate or throw out 
um, or, or repurpose if you really want to keep something. Um, it is, to me, a very simple way of getting that process going. Okay, that's good. That, that's guess the one to start with. So mm-hmm. I know also, because I'm a really elemental girl, I'm an elemental witch. Element is kind of the main everything of my practice over everything. So how do you incorporate elements into, I know in the, the pagan compass, there's mm-hmm. air and fire and water and earth, and we could add spirit. And in the feng shui, mm-hmm. you go into like metals yeah. and woods and things. So how do you incorporate mm-hmm. that? Do you do it room by room with which what people want or... Yeah, and that's important to pay attention to as well. I mean, some people will respond differently to, say, wood elements. Um, Not everybody wants a house full of plants or heavy woods, and not everybody um, wants to put a water feature in their home. Or So you really have to make that a personal experience. So if you're doing this yourself, um, it is really, you know, tune into what elements you draw maybe inspiration from or draw power from. Uh, but keeping in mind that it's always good to have a balance there. So if um, you've got, I'm the type of person that has a lot of wood in my house. I'm, I'm very strong with wood and plants and um, earth elements like that. But I tend to not balance uh, the water um, side of it as well. So it's keeping in mind that there are, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a big fountain in your house if you want to add water. You can just add certain colors or um, mirrors that maybe give off a reflective um, reflective energy. Um, uh, but just little things like that that, that help you add um, each of the elements in. And it doesn't have to be crazy. It can just be the color of something, like a blue throw cushion or a blue, uh, a blue feature wall. And then it gives you that kind of that essence of, of the element. So there's little ways that you can add elemental energy in without necessarily bringing that whole element into the house so and that's really where the personal because everyone's going to respond differently um some people would love to have a a waterfall flowing through their house obviously but (laughs) not not everybody not everybody has access to these things so that's why making a making small personal choices um is a good idea so add a plant or add a add a mirror add something metal just to bring in those energies um and and that can be assessed room by room for sure uh, with but looking at the overall practicality of it as well and, and making sure the house has a little bit of everything um, to balance that out. Okay. Um, in, in your book, again, you have a bunch of exercises. You go into meditations because, again, somebody could go, I don't, I don't know what element I need. I don't know mm-hmm. wh- what I'm missing or what I have or where I'm going. So, um, again, you go into, like, color meditations and space-clearing mm-hmm. meditations. So, in my world, that's all about awareness and then intent and then creating from there. So, And especially with color, I mean, um, a lot of times we, we end up using colors or we're drawn to colors and maybe we, we over, you know, attach ourselves to a certain color. And I had this conversation with a lot of people about um, picking a, a strong color for a room and then realizing that it changes sort of your whole physiological, you know, response or, or putting the wrong color in a bedroom can create terrible dreams or <laughs> so. So it's really about, like you said, an awareness of what, how does that actually make me feel? And not a lot of people, I think, take that step um, in, in finding that awareness before they start decorating a certain way and then finding out at the end that it's just, it doesn't feel right and it doesn't suit them and it doesn't really line up with who they are right now, or they're living with things that they've had years ago that just don't, um, match the energy that they're working with at that time. So it, it is really about awareness um, from my personal perspective and making sure that you have the things in your home that, that suit you now and, and where you are kind of energetically. 
That is good. Again, that is what I'm loving about this book as I just discover it now going, yeah, because people, again, just speaking from experience, you get overwhelmed. What are some of your ideas? Um, again, I do a lot of clearings on houses. I go in energetic clearings and you walk in and you see why, why I'll even know more once I read your book. But what are some of the things that you suggest for, for bedrooms or big mistakes people do with, with bedrooms? Uh, the bedrooms in particular are, I, I often see are one of the most neglected areas and it, it always surprises me because that's, and, and I think a lot of people think that maybe they don't spend a lot of time in there during the day. So it's not that important. Um, I see the bedrooms getting used to, you know, store laundry or exercise equipment or um, they're just using whatever blankets that, you know, a lot, a lot of people um, just make that room. That's just someplace they go to sleep, but they don't realize that the, the, that kind of neglect can actually impact your health um, to a great degree. So I, if, and I do recommend a lot of times, if you're going to start anywhere, so, you know, start with the bedroom. Um, because it really is a place where you're going to restore that energy every night and it should be a peaceful place. Um, I don't recommend going in and, and working and then working out in the, in the bedroom and then going to bed. But I mean, I realize not everybody has the luxury of a lot of space, but there are definitely ways where you can separate that space. So that the, your bed and where you sleep is a peaceful, calm place. And that and that's hugely important. Um, so that is something that I have seen a lot. Uh, and, and it should not ever be overlooked, in my opinion. I know that you do in different places mention mirrors. What's your thought on mirrors, uh, you know, good, bad and indifferent energetically and how to use or not use them? Um, I like mirrors because they really open space up. So like if you've got, um, especially in apartments or really small entryways, mirrors are, are used quite a lot to give the uh, appearance of more space. So that can be a really nice way to open space up and kind of bring light in. Um, and obviously mirrors have very magical qualities as well, <laughs> but anyone just looking to enhance physical space, um, it's a great way to, to make space look bigger than it is. And feng shui in particular uses mirrors quite a bit in, in different placements for that reason. And it also does represent the element of water. Um, so it can be used for that, um, that water cure. Um, I, I know feng shui has a lot of rules about mirrors maybe facing each other and they shouldn't face certain directions. So anyone that's going to employ those methods, um, do a bit more research and reading on feng shui. I'm not a feng shui practitioner, um, so I do recommend that people go and um, buy books or read more in-depth articles on that before employing it. But mirrors can be really transformative things um, and the way they reflect light and bring things in or even reflect um, beautiful things. So reflecting a nice view or, or reflecting, um, you know, something beautiful outside is, is a really nice way to enhance um, that kind of the energy of things. Yeah, I, I agree. Mirrors. I have a lot of mirrors in my home. I grew up. My mom had a lot of mirrors. We had a kind of a smallish home and mm -hmm. my mom just thought mirrors were magic. She wasn't even necessarily a witchy or paying any kind of person. She just knew she just felt the magic of mirrors. Mm -hmm. So I almost now walk into a house. It's like there's not a mirror in this whole house. It's closing in on yeah. me. It's closing yeah. in. And well, then I go the next step yeah. and enchant those mirrors and yeah. No, that's absolutely true. And then, and then obviously that magical quality um, um, for, for those that actually know how to, to use them in that way, for sure. It's, um, it's a nice feature to have. And, um, but, but I think they do have to be used properly. I don't think they should just be grouped where they're all 
kind of facing each other and, and energy doesn't have anywhere to go, but the proper use of mirrors can be quite transformative. Good, good. Um, also, one, one of my places that I always want to be like sanctuary, like are bathrooms. So mm -hmm. I know you have a chapter on that. What's some of your suggestions for and about, you know, bathroom areas? Um, bathrooms, I think um, I, more people, I think, are realizing the importance of the bathroom. I've, I've seen a lot of people spend a lot of money on bathroom renovations. Um, and, and, and I think it's more that realization of um, that it is a place where you cleanse yourself. And if you go back to a lot of ancient cultures, bathing was very sacred and um, is a very important process in, in life is, is the cleansing and, and restoring yourself. And, and I think um, to kind of add those elements into the bathroom is um, I always recommend making sure everything's in working order for starters. Um, you know, run down bathtubs or toilets that don't work and things like that. That's that's sort of energetically sending um, you know, that it, it, it's like a blocked energy. Um, and it, I think having everything in working order is a good, a uh, good thing, making sure you've got uh, fresh, clean towels and you're not using ripped old towels. So again, it's that image of self-care. I think the bathroom represents. Um, so, but, but I, I also think that that, um, it's either one of those places people splurge on or they neglect and, and it's finding that, you know, it is a place where you take care of yourself at the end of, you know, um, and you're in there quite a lot. So, <laughs> but it's about, I think, self-care and presenting self-image um, and, and having fine things and splurging on things and having sort of that spa-like experience. And you don't need to go crazy. I mean, you can just purchase. I, I regularly go out and buy um, all natural uh, bath soaps and bubble baths that are, you know, um, chemical free, but they, they smell great. And, and, and I'll kind of splurge on things like that for my bathroom, just because it's a little, it's a treat and it, and it makes you feel that you're worthy of pampering yourself. So I, I think little things like that for the bathroom, you know, a nice fluffy bath mat, uh, just a nice cozy place to go and have a bath and cleanse yourself. Uh, it just little things like that can, can do wonders for you. Good. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I know you also do talk about kids' rooms. We I work with people with kids. What's some of your suggestions for kids? kids. So I, kids. I myself have worked with a lot of kids. I have kids, so <laughs> so I, I do have a genuine understanding of um, the importance of keeping that space. Uh, tidy. Uh, I know it's like the hardest thing ever, but, but it really does make a difference. Uh, I think in the way they are able to rest at night. Um, I also believe that keeping a kid's room uh, calm and, and color-wise, I, I do recommend in the book to limit the, the bright colors in kids' rooms, because I think as parents and guardians, it's up to us to kind of teach them the value of sleep at a young age. Um, it, important to teach them that they can turn that crazy, busy energy of the day off and get, but we have to give them a space for that. So I do recommend that a child has, and even if they have to have toys in their room, you know, make sure that they've got proper storage to keep it tidy and put away um, because they do need to learn the value of a, a place to rest at the end of the day. And they will carry that through as they get older. And we need to teach them that, but if we're putting them to bed in rooms that are full of bright colors, and I just know personally of kids that have not done well in those situations because they need to bring it down the same way we do, um, even more so because they're they're so high energy and they're very receptive. And I think it's important to let kids pick their colors as well and, and get them involved in that process because they're going to know which colors 
activate them and which colors bring them down. So um, I do encourage that people let kids become a part of that process in, in making their, their space. That's great because kids do certainly have opinions of what they like and don't like. I And they somewhat yeah. change as we go. But I do. I'll walk into somebody's homes to do what I do. And and they're almost always apologetic. Well, sorry, it's my kid's room. Whether it's their teenager or the little ones or along the way, they almost walk in with this whole apologetic nature to yeah. them. It's like, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think back to my own childhood, and I was one of those really strange children that had to clean everything. I was, I was, I was very compulsive in keeping my space neat and, and I, but I was sensitive to that. I like really early on. And if I didn't have a clean, tidy space, it would affect me on, on, you know, very deep levels. So I've always grown up that way just out of my own necessity, but I think it's important for us to encourage that to some degree. Um, I, I think it will help children when they're older to, to understand those things a bit better. Right. And and that's interesting about bright colors because it's true. I walk in a lot. They're going primary red, primary yeah, they, bright, crazy, which yeah. is probably great for a playroom, but not exactly. if that's their playroom and their bedroom and where they're supposed to go do their homework, perhaps. Exactly. And, th and that's that fine balance of um, that child maybe won't be restful at the end of the day if everything's happening in that space and it's they, they maybe can't turn it off very well. So, um, and again, not everybody can accommodate different rooms for kids. And I, I totally understand that. But if it's going to be a neutral place, um, it should probably be a bit more neutral in terms of color and um, just just to help them stay on a, a kind of an even playing field. Beautiful. Also, you do talk about, and which is more and more and more since the pandemic, I mean, it has been, is homework spaces. A lot of people don't hardly mm -hmm. even leave their house anymore. They, even jobs that could go back to work. I know so many people, now they stay home and do it, or three days a week they stay home and do it. So what suggestions do you have for, for homework spaces? Um, it, basically, I mean, if you are working from home and you, you maybe don't have a home office, not everybody does. Um, I think it's important to have a space somewhere that you've kind of psychologically designated where you're going to work. Um, some people work well on the couch, you know, if you don't have a bunch of stuff going around. Some people are really good working that way, and that's totally fine. Uh, but it because but it is a personal experience. Some people can't focus when they've got you know, things buzzing around, people buzzing around in the kitchen around them. So um, definitely pay attention to what your needs are from a, you know, a psychological point of view and, and mental focus aspect. And if you can designate a space where it's, that's just where you work and nobody else comes and sits and works there and um, kids don't come and eat there, you know, if possible. Uh, I do think it's helpful to be mindful of that and just to have a space because then when you get up and walk away, you can kind of detach yourself from that because you're not walking around the house on your laptop and taking it right. with you. It's <laughs> so there has to be, yeah. <laughs> and some people are good that way. And, and it, it, design and decorating is such a personal process. And, and, and that's sort of my kind of my foundation for the book is that you really have to look at how you need your space and how you need to make your space work for you uh, because everybody will respond differently but in general i find that a lot of people will work better if they can just have a space and then walk away from it at, at the end of the day that is beautiful um well before we go um if do you have a couple little like these are my top three ideas for just just like quick fixes and things for people or suggestions yeah. or what we see 
because I want everybody um, to go get this book, but I just give them a teaser. So what, I mean, what, uh, one of my personal favorite things to do um, for a quick refresh, um, I'm one of those people that will change things up a little bit um, with uh, a season change. So when we go from summer to, you know, fall or, or fall to winter, winter to spring, um, it's nice to just change things up a little bit. Oftentimes I'll just do like throw blankets or throw pillows or, you know, switch up the duvet cover on my bed um, and change things around like that. Those can really give you, um, it, it's a quick boost. It's a quick energy lift and it really does change the space. So little things like that, that don't necessarily have to cost a lot of money, uh, but it, it helps you kind of tune into the elements you're, you're working with in the time of year. Uh, so that's one of my favorites. Um, another one is uh, for the kitchen. I always recommend people really pay, really get in there and get involved in kitchen organization, uh, getting your things tidy, um, get rid of broken dishes, you know, pots that you're not using, um, give it a good overhaul at least once a year, uh, once a year, and make sure you've got proper organization in, in your kitchen so that you can function properly um, and you always know where to find everything. Um, and again, my other, my my biggest biggest one is the is the space clearing. You know, just just get rid of it if it's old. Uh, before you're going to go buy new stuff and it, it, you'll feel so good at the end of the day, you'll feel so good getting rid of that stuff. Um, I make donations, I think, twice a year. So that tells you that <laughs> I probably always got something that doesn't work. You know, I, I donate boxes of clothes because it's there's no need to have them there. So those, I think, are, are three of my, my favorite ones. And we're coming up for fall. So it's a good time to do a, a fall refresh and get some cozy elements back into the house. So. Yeah, just, just See, go with the seasons, go with the flow of what nature's doing and try and incorporate that into your house somehow. Right, which I, intrigues me. I live in Southern California where we don't really have seasons. So it's, mm. it's always lovely. But I only know one person, one of my dear friends, who actually does exactly what you say. The duvet yeah. cumber changes, the pillows changes. There's the summer mm -hmm. feeler, the spring feeler. The, and yeah. I, that was such a new concept to me. I understand decorating for the seasons. I, you know, here's your decor mm -hmm. for whether it's for each thing, but like change of that, it's like, it's, it's something I'm now going to incorporate. That was a whole mm -hmm. new idea for me. So it'll give us seasons here in those places. We don't have them. <laughs> yeah. And it can also stop you. I mean, it, for somebody that, that really likes to design, it can kind of stop that sense of boredom with, it's yeah. just a little bit of a change every now and again. So I'll tend to keep a few different duvet covers or styles floating around. Then if I just want to change something up, it's it's a nice way to just feel like you've really done something without maybe spending a lot of money. That is beautiful. So everybody, you've got to get this book. In the Spirit of Home, Practical Ways to Create Your Perfect Haven. So tell everybody where they can find you, where they can get your book, anything you have coming up, social media. Um, you but can find me primarily on my website, so www.lesliamorrison.com. Um, this book is available through Llewellyn uh, Worldwide is the publisher, um, but it's also available on Amazon, Indigo, Barnes & Noble, pretty much anywhere online that you can purchase books, you will find this book. Um, I am going to be, um, I have a lot of podcast events that I have done and webinars that I will be uploading as well so people can view um, some of my work. Uh, and Llewellyn also has a lot of my uh, blog posts and articles up there as well. But most of this stuff will be on my website. Um, I am on social media, on Twitter, um, Leslie A. Home and um, Instagram as well. Okay, so thank you so much for coming on. Again, you guys check it out. Besides she's got a little black cat right there. <laughs> 
what could be wrong? So thank you, Leslie, for bringing your magic to our magic. And so everybody go make your home magic. Thank you for visiting The Witching Hour. <laughs>